Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well, and all manner of things are well. Those are the words of our Lord to St. Julian of Norwich. We think many of us thought, I was taught they were St. Julian's words, but no, they were our Lord's words to St. Julian. In the midst of very difficult times, he said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And so it is with us, beloved. No matter what stage uh, the church is in right now, it is the church. No matter what your family, beloved, is going through, whatever your difficulties, your disagreements, all of that, it is the family God has given you. It is the vocation God has given you. And all shall be well. All we need to do is follow the manufacturer's instructions. That's all we need to do. I may have told you once about a family um, I knew some years ago, and the mother and father just uh, fought all the time. They couldn't get along. They were talking of divorce. They had a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, 15-year-old girl, um, 17-year-old boy, and um, they concluded for the sake of the children, they would stay together. That's not always the best solution. In this case, it was. They decided to stay together, and at all costs, they would follow the manufacturer's uh, instructions. So they began to pray, and the wife suggested that they pray the rosary, and the husband didn't want it. It's it's just not um, as easy, generally, for men to pray, especially with their wives, especially out loud. And he finally agreed, okay, they'd start with one decade of the rosary, and so they did every night by themselves. Uh, they prayed a decade of the rosary, and in a few weeks they added another decade until they were praying the full rosary. Then they decided to go by their children's rooms and bless them and anoint them, uh, their rooms with oil, and so they did. And in order to do that, they needed to wait till midnight, one, two in the morning when their children were in bed because they had no control over them. They'd be out with their friends, to the movies, all kinds of things, and they had no control. So they waited till the children were in bed, and they went and anointed their doors and blessed them. And then they decided the next step was to tell their two teenage children that they were all going to have the Sunday meal together. They weren't running off to soccer games or or to see their friends or to the movies or anything else. The children simply didn't want to be home. And they had their groups of friends. And they really were unhappy about that. And, but they did it. And they came home and the mother cooked a meal for them all every Sunday. And they sat down at the table and they were doing that for a while. And then after a while, the parents said, now we're going to pray as a family. We're going to go around the table, and each one is going to say a prayer. And they said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Mom, Dad, you pray. We don't want to pray. 
And the parents said, say something. To pray is simply to talk to God. That's what it is, simply to talk to God, the way you speak to us or other people. Um, When it comes your turn, you can say, thanks for the good day, for the good weather, God. Whatever it is, you can offer thanks for something. And so they did that. And the, the went around the table and doing that. And after a while, the daughter said, uh, thank you for uh, uh, the weather today, God. And uh, God, um, could you help my friend Kathy because she's 15 like me and she's pregnant and she is scared and she hasn't told her mother. Well, the parents learned that. And because she had the courage to say it at the dinner table. And then after another week, uh, the, the 17-year-old boy said, Oh, and God, uh, God, uh, would you help me on my science exam? Because um, I'm failing, uh, and, and if I fail science, I'll, I'll fail the year. And the parents didn't know that. But they should have known all that, but they didn't. And they began to learn about their children's lives. And they began to be a family. And they came together. And today they are the family they always dreamed of being, as if it were a movie, as if it were a fairy tale, but never imagined they could be. And they are. In fact, they went off to be missionaries together. Uh, It's a magnificent thing when we begin to live God's design, when parents do not stop parenting, and they get involved in their children's lives, and they know they know. We've been talking about education and how children come home and say what the schools have imposed on them, and the parents are angry and shocked, but the parents are at fault because the parents should never send a child to such a school. The parents should see the textbooks, meet the teachers, know what they're turning their children over to because they have the parents, have the stewardship from God to raise the children God has given them. They're not their children. They're a stewardship for a time. They're God's children. And if we turn our children over to the world, to the schools, even to Catholic schools, and they're not good, or they adopt sex ed programs or gender ideology, many of them are doing that now, it's unthinkable to me. It's unthinkable to me. I read just yesterday of a bishop who has... um, agreed to adopt the gender ideology for the Catholic schools in his diocese. It's absolutely tragic. It's tragic. And so what we've been doing here, not only within the church, are our families and children being corrupted in, in many cases, um, but now, with or before this, with outside the church, um, the... Um, the government is doing everything it can to get into the homes. And when I say within the church our families are being corrupted, I say it with the understanding that the church is perfect, the church is holy, the church is Christ. There's no other place to be on earth than in the church he established. It has every single treasure you will ever need under heaven, all the sacraments, every means of grace you will need. However... Instead of the church affecting the world, the world has affected the church, and much evil has crept in, and it has crept into the schools, because the way the enemy wants to destroy uh, the church is to destroy the family. 
If you destroy the family, you destroy the church and society, and you have no vocations. So they're trying, the enemy's trying very hard at that. And the schools that are utterly corrupting our children um, and are forcing on them a curriculum that is evil, um, they have now created homeschool programs for those moms who want to take their children out of school and homeschool them, and they're giving all the curriculum free. What it is is public school curriculum at home, and it's it's devious. Um, it's very very serious, beloved, and we need to to raise our children. Um, but what we've been speaking about and what we've been reading about in um, Oh, where did I where did I put it now? Uh oh, in Frank Sheed's book, um, Sanity and um, Sanity Society and Sanity, is the fact that all these um, programs are geared for man. All the uh, candidates for our presidency who are speaking about socialism, they're talking about a system of government that will help our society. But the fact is, uh, what they're talking about will destroy our society. As Frank Sheet has pointed out in this book from 1953, let me see if I can get that up, 1953, uh, Society and Sanity. And what he's pointing out is that in order to treat man uh, accordingly and as God intended in creating him, we have to know what man is. And so we spoke in the first chapter here about all sorts of things that uh, people go to school for an education to earn degrees, but to what event? To what end, I should say? What is it for? Uh, Maybe he'll be a great engineer, but is that the end of man? And the first question of the Baltimore Catechism is what do we mean by the end of man? And by the end of man we mean that man was created by God to know, love, and serve him. So someone can have a PhD degree, but if they haven't even caught on to what it means to know, love, and serve him, they haven't reached their end. They haven't even moved toward their end. Um, And the main problem that Frank Sheet points out is that we don't know what man is. What is a man? You ask someone, what is a man? Well, he's a man. He's a human being. He's a man. That's what he is. But what is he? What is he? We can define a cat, an animal with four legs and little fur and uh, characteristics of a cat. But what is a man? What is a man? Why is he here? What is his uh, purpose? Why is he created? What is his end? Why did God create him? And so now we come to chapter 2, which we haven't answered in the first chapter, and the title of that is Man Essential. And Frank Sheed writes, Our civilization, the one that used to be called Christian and is now called Western, is based upon the idea our ancestors had of what man is. That idea was clear, strong, universally accepted. 
They arrived at it not by looking at man, but by listening to God. You can ask a watch what its purpose is, but it, the watch can't tell you. Only the watchmaker can tell you why he made the watch and what its purpose is. That was my commentary. Summarized, it was this. All right. Man is a creature of God, living in a universe created by God. But he differs from every other being in the world because God made him in his, in God's own image. This special likeness to God is not in man's body, by which he is akin to the animals, but in his soul, which is spiritual, immortal, and meant for eternal union with God. When I think of the millions and millions of Jews and non-Jews, I think six million Jews and six million non-Jews, Catholics and priests that were murdered at Auschwitz, Adolf Hitler thought that they were animals and treated them as such. He had no idea about the God that lived in them and what they essentially were. By setting his will against God's, man has damaged himself and lost oneness with God. God became man and died to save all men from this derelict condition. Beloved, if you feel you're in a derelict condition, listen up. It's not what God intended. In these three ideas, the image of God, immortal spirit, and redeemed by Christ, you have the dominating elements in that concept of man which went to the building of our civilization. Now to many, this will seem sheerly fantastic. The exhalation, ex, yes, sorry, the exhalation of a myth which has curiously managed to survive from a simpler world, or better, has not quite managed to die in a world that has no use for it. And even among those who still regard that view of man as holy or mainly valid, many would feel that it has no place in a practical discussion of modern problems. I'll stop there to tell you that I, I recall someone who used to call me for counseling all the time and for problems, not professional counseling, just a, a, a relative and you know, I have this problem, I have that problem. And she knew that I was a strong Christian. And she'd say, please don't bring God into it. Don't bring God. Just answer me as if I'm a human being. Don't bring God into it. That was astounding to me. Absolutely astounding. Just talk to me as a human being. Don't bring God into it. Well, you're not a human being if you don't bring God into it. You're an animal if you don't bring God into it. Let me just read that sentence from the beginning. Even among those who still regard that view of man as holy or mainly valid, many that were made in God's image, many would feel that it has no place in a practical discussion of modern problems. Can you see that? Can you see the candidates for president 
uh, talking about God's will for our life, all of that, why he created us, that we're made in his image. Could you see that discussion? They'd be laughed off the stage. But this, at least, is no argument against it. Modern sociologists don't think that way, but that's not an argument against it. Considering the appalling mess in which the world is, and this is 1953, beloved, two bloodbaths in a half century and another in a horrifying prospect, one cannot approach the way modern sociologists think with any very, with any very paralyzing reverence. It could hardly be an argument against any theory that it differs from modern thought processes. But for the moment, I am not urging that earlier view of man as immediately practical or even usable. Though I think, and shall try to show later in this book, that it is uniquely both. I merely say that a great civilization was built upon it, that that civilization is now in agony. Death throws, maybe. Birth throws, maybe. But throws beyond a doubt. That to do anything about it, we must understand it. And that there is no understanding apart from the idea of man it was trying to express. So let us look at it again in a little more detail. No idea has ever been so dynamic, at once so revolutionary and so powerful for constructing a way of life. Even one who does not himself hold it should see that the effort to grasp it must be made. Must be made, beloved. So put your thinking caps on and we'll go through this venture together. It's the answer to life, beloved. It's the answer to society. It's the answer to way to how we treat one another in the family. It is the answer to all God has intended. We can bypass it. We can say, I don't have patience for this. Well, um, then we remain as we are, which is in very bad shape. Frank Sheed says, take the first phrase, man is made in the image of God. This might mean anything according to the view of God involved. How we look on God has to do with many of our understand, much of our understanding. Man made in the image of God. Um, okay, here we go. Man made in the image of the God Molech. To, and of course, there are no other gods but God himself. But this is Old Testament paganism. Man made in the image of the God Molech to whom the Carthaginians sacrificed small children, would have been a horrifying creature. And indeed, a sufficient number of men have set out to remake themselves in that image. But our Christian ancestors knew the truth about God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. Man made in his image has all those attributes, but limitedly. Man has power, though not all power. Knowledge, though not all knowledge. Love, though by no means infinite love. God is the absolute. Man the image. But the image need not be static. 
It can deteriorate and be hardly recognizable, but it can grow too. Men can increase in power, knowledge, and love. In other words, in likeness to God. God is in no fear that his creatures may equal him. The infinite cannot fear the finite. It is altogether according to God's will that the original likeness in all men shall grow greater and greater. God is not threatened, beloved. He's created us in his image, and the whole process of sanctification while on earth is to become more and more like God, to grow in the knowledge of God, until, as the psalmist writes, one day we actually will awaken his likeness. Frank Sheet continues, The key to the understanding of God and man is the concept of spirit. God is infinite spirit, but one of the elements in man is spirit too. And in this, the likeness consists. What is of the essence of spirit? That without which it would not be spirit at all, which must be present, therefore, with whatever differences of mode in infinite spirit and finite is permanence. It is not composed of parts as matter is, so that it cannot fall apart or be taken apart or rearranged internally. A spiritual being can only be itself. It cannot be made into any other. Its norm is immortality. As permanence, it is the norm of spirit's existence. So is freedom the norm of its vital activity. In its twin functions of knowing and loving, its life consists. For that life... What it loves is decisive, and the faculty by which it loves, the will, is free. I know this is hard to grasp, perhaps listening to it without my reading it over each sentence two, three times, but I'm going to go on. And of course, I don't know that the book is out of print, Society and Sanity by Frank Sheed, Published by Sheed and Ward in 1953. Um, uh, I don't know that um, it's out of print, and if it is, you can still get it. Man was made by God. I think this was used in seminaries, beloved, when seminaries were what they should be. Man was made by God for union with himself. The finite spirit is to come to a total union with the infinite spirit in which man's knowing power will be an immediate, never-to-be-broken contact with infinite truth and man's loving power in a contact as close with infinite goodness. And in this contact, it will remain itself, not losing its identity in the mightier reality but conscious of God and conscious of itself as now at last his perfect image. What am I? I am made in the image of God. 
no one of the religions, no one of the religions that consecrate, I'm sorry, start that again, no one of the religions that concentrate wholly upon spirit to the contempt of matter has ever so glorified man's spirit. For all of them see only extinction, or at any rate the extinction of personal consciousness as its higher goal, its highest goal. And just as none of the religions of pure spirit glorify spirit as does Christianity, which sees man as spirit united with matter, so none of the philosophies that dismiss spirit and stake all upon matter so glorify the body. For Christianity, the body is sacred being lifted by the intimacy of its union with the soul out of mere earthliness, earthiness, and has a place in man's eternal destiny. One can hardly reproach the materialist for not giving the body sacredness, since materialism lacks that concept, knowing only the profane. Beloved, try to take in what you can of this. Um, It is so important. This is what you should be speaking to your daughters about when they want to walk half-naked through the streets and to your sons about when they want to abuse a woman. There's the music for our break. Beloved, call in uh, during the break or after with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-511. 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit the station of the cross.com for details. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Catholic Radio reminds us of the blessings we have within our Church. From our Lord in the Eucharist to the saints who inspire us, by placing our free bumper magnet on your car, you can make a difference in the lives of those still searching for the truth. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. 
That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live on um, the Station of the Cross and Live Site News. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we have a whole half hour to ourselves. You're free to call in with your name or anonymously uh, with anything on your heart. Um, and the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven. Excuse me, five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. Um, we have Mary on the line. Are you there, Mary? Yes. Hi, dear. Uh, hi. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. How are you? What is your, I'm wonderful, thank you. I'm getting over a little cold here. You probably can all hear that, but I'm doing yes. just fine. Um, Great. Tell me your question, Mary. Yes, I would like to ask in terms of Genesis, because it's my, my feeling that people really don't truly understand what God told us in Genesis. That's why there's so much confusion now about this gender ideology and all these concepts, that the truth really lies in Genesis. And for, for us to really comprehend that, I'm wondering if you, could under, if you could explain Genesis. I know some of the children also ask, how could we be populated from, this, from only two people? And um, people ask, you know, this, this whole um, aspect to Genesis itself, the mystery of it. And I'm wondering, could you talk more about this to kind of clarify? Mary, um, just to hone in a little bit on the focus of that. Is that, is that the issue? How can the whole world be populated from, from two people? Is that, well, is that the... Well, that's, that's maybe part of it, but I think it's more that people don't understand the complexity of Genesis, what it truly means, and I think that's why they're so easily confused by gender ideology and all these other concepts, and why some of them actually do leave the church, because they think it doesn't make sense. Okay, now you've got a lot of it's in there, but we can't we can't talk about all 50 chapters of Genesis right now, right? So you you're basically talking about creation and what God did and intended from the beginning, right? When he made the heavens and the earth and all things and created man, made man male and female, is that the focus? Made them male and female. Yes. yes. He didn't make them transgender. Right. And and the thing is, transgender, he couldn't make them transgender because that's to transfer, so so to speak, it's impossible, but uh, physically, uh, from one gender to another, and God didn't do that. He made male and female, that's it. He made man and made man, that is to say, a human being, 
and he chose the word man for that. Man, he made a human being and made him. He created the human being both in two species, the male and the female, and that's it. Two genders, I should say, male and female, and told them to populate the earth. And God had no, uh, there's no other interpretation for that. There's no other meaning. There's no other plan. Um, uh, All one needs to do is look at God's design for man and woman, look at the physical bodies, um, and see that they were made to come together and populate the earth. And so they did. And as we know from scripture, they had a son, Cain, and then they had Abel and Cain got jealous of Abel and killed him, and then they had Seth, and with Seth, the scriptures say, men um, began again to call on the name of the Lord. And they had many children, and then if you read the first chapters of Genesis, you'll see the genealogies of, of from Seth and from um, their future children. Um, some people say, but but they would have all been related at that time. They would have been cousins, and they would have been. And does that mean... God populated the earth from uh, close relatives like that, even sister and brother. It does mean that. It does mean that. In the beginning, that's what God did to build the human race. Yes, because there's, there was nothing else, no one else, but the people God created in that family to come together and populate the earth. And so... Um, Yes, the children they had needed to marry other children uh, and and begin to populate the earth. That wasn't sin. That was God's design in the beginning. And so now we're, you know, we're, we're billions all over the world. Um, but what God did, no man can change. No man can put asunder what God did. We have become, through the ages, corrupt. And when Paul wrote his letter to the Romans... He said that man has um, turned from God and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And man with man and woman with woman and all of that, it is absolutely debauched, it is sinful, it is degraded, and God said he, spirit, will not always strive with man. Um, They will destroy themselves by this evil. They will destroy themselves. So anything that is other then a man and woman coming together in matrimony is debased and is sinful um, and not natural. What is natural is what God made. What is unnatural is is evil and distorted. Um, and then if uh, a male wants to become a female or a female wants to become a male, they don't need a transgender operation. They need therapy. They need help to understand who they are and why they are who they are. And their only happiness will be in knowing fully who they are and living that out. There are groups today, Mary, you might know of transgenders who are ex-transgenders for Jesus, you know, um, all kinds of people who had the surgery and everything and they're completely miserable. And they, they want to go back to what they were and that's very difficult. Um, it, uh, I don't know what that involves, but they've learned the evil and the unhappiness of recreating or trying to recreate God's design. It cannot happen. You can perform surgery on a boy to make him a girl. You can perform surgery on a girl to make her a boy. It, may, it matters. You're all, all you're doing is destroying the individual. You're botching their body up. 
but the boy remains a boy and the girl remains a boy. Nothing can change God's design. All we can do is destroy it. Thank you, Mother. Is that what you were getting at, Mary? Yes. I think people need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Again they do. and again. Again and again. I, I don't think they understand it always the first time. Right. I, I agree with you. And it's why I'm reading through Society and Sanity, because we're about to talk about what man is, what the human being is, and then what marriage is. Um, and if we don't dig a little deeper... Uh, we're not going to understand it, and I'm sure, not, I'm not sure, but I suspect many people just, you know, turn off part of the reading because it's a little difficult to follow. But you can listen to the podcast over again, and you can get the book. It's very, very crucial. Mary, God bless you, dear one. Thank you. There's the music for our second break. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our our last segment. It's a little over 15 minutes, and you have time to call in with anything on your heart if you wish, toll-free or text, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. We have an email from Christina from Ohio who says, Hello, Mother, I just discovered your show within the past week and have been binge listening to past episodes. I too am a convert to Catholicism as of 2014. Welcome, Christina. That's wonderful. Interestingly, she says, I considered converting to Orthodox Judaism when I was discerning a return to faith. I came to the Catholic Church because like you, I became convinced that our faith is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. And indeed it is. Indeed it is. Blessed be God. Christina says, I listened to your podcast of November 11th, during which you addressed the concerns of the young mother who was worried that the state would take away her children if she did not accept public school sex education curriculum. Now I'm going to introduce, I'm going to interrupt Christina's uh, email um, to say, in case the woman who emailed is still listening or listening to this podcast, um, I tried to look up what you call the Equality Act. I see the Equality Act. I've seen it online, but I have not um, read where it says that if you as a homeschooling mom do not accept the public school's sex curriculum, sex ed curriculum, that your children uh, will or even might be taken from you. I haven't found that anywhere, and I'm, I'm going to beg you, if you're listening, or anyone else, if you know of that or can find it, that you email it to me. Email it, mother at um, thestationofthecross.com. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Christina goes on to say... Um, While there are various ways in which homeschooling families could deal with such a possibility, I would suggest that she and others who are interested in homeschooling regulations become members of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and it's abbreviated by its letters H-S-L-D-A, maybe it's pronounced HELSDA, I'm not sure, H-S-L-D-A, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Association. Christina says, I have no connection with this group other than my membership in it. While I was myself a homeschooling parent, she said it's the best decision um, her husband and her ever made for their children, by the way. And we were not even Catholic at the time. Helsda, she said, H S L D A, is Protestant. I didn't know that. Um, She said it's Protestant in its faith orientation, but is open to all homeschoolers, whatever their faith or lack thereof. They are the most reliable source that I know, that I know of for information about the laws and regulations governing homeschooling in each state. 
Well, if that's true, I thank God for them, but make sure your curriculum comes from a very good traditional Catholic source. Uh, Christina says they also have an active advocacy program in which they work to get out in front of laws like the one the emailer was concerned about. Sometimes they have successfully lobbied to prevent such laws. And sometimes they at least help to mitigate the potential negative effects. Hope this information is helpful to you and your listeners. She says, God bless your ministry. Sincerely, Christina from Ohio. She says, P.S., I'm enjoying your review of the Baltimore Catechism, and I too love the work of Frank Sheed. I teach religion at my local parish. I have largely ditched the assigned textbook and used the Baltimore Catechism for lesson plans instead. Bless you, Christina. And that's a good encouragement, I hope, to everyone who teaches. Um, at your local parish, no matter the age or the grade, um, that you would not ever go along with the church's materials uh, if they are not good. If they are not good. Um, the Baltimore Catechism is, is just perfect. Um, we have an email from Brandon who says, Mother, it appears that my marriage of 11 years is coming to an end. Oh, how I hate to hear those things. It is accurate to say that Catholics and non-Catholics should not get married. Of course, it's accurate, and it's scriptural. It's what the Apostle Paul has said, um, uh, not to marry um, uh, an, an unbeliever. Um, my wife and I both went into the marriage thinking we could change each other. That's another huge, huge, huge fallacy. The only one you have any power to change is yourself, not your mate. It doesn't work, and there has been a lot of pain. I have found so much consolation in your program and understand so much more about my Catholic faith. I am sorry most for being a bad Catholic. Excuse me for this yawn. Is there any advice you can give on how we should separate our children and how I should continue to educate my children about Catholicism? Thank you so much for your clear-cut and unambiguous answers and explanations. This is what we need. Thank you, Brendan. My dear brother, I cannot give any advice on how you should separate your children. I don't believe you should separate them at all. Absolutely not. I don't know how old they are, but um, I don't believe they should be separated. They're from the same flesh and blood, and I believe they should stay together. So they all should be with you, or they all should be with their mother. I know one case where the four children stayed together and simply went back and forth between mother and father every other week. Um, Two weeks with the mother, two weeks with the father. That's very difficult, especially concerning school and location and all of that. But I would do everything possible to not split those children up. And if that means that the baby is still being nursed or something like that, and they all need to stay with their mother, let that happen, and you be over there as much as you can, teaching them and, and, and helping them to learn their faith every weekend. So um, uh, don't split them. Don't split them up. Um, uh, and it's you say it appears that my marriage of 11 years is coming to an end well maybe it hasn't ended yet and um, 
you can um, you can still be a heroic dad and a heroic husband by loving your wife and loving your family regardless of the dif- the differences. So I hope, dear Brandon, that somehow it can be worked out. Um, uh, if you need to separate your children, um, I can't even advise you how to do it. I just cannot. Keep the boys together, keep the girls together, um, keep the babies together. I don't know how to do that because I don't know the ages and circumstances of your children. We have a call from Annette. Um, are you there, dear one? Uh, yes, Mother. Thank Hi, you for sweetie. taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks um, for calling. I uh, wanted to uh, ask, um, with the crisis that's going on in the church, um, with all of the confusion that's going on, mm-hmm. um, uh, I just heard the USCCB, uh, the bishops stated that the bishops all have to get in line with the magisterium. Now, if that means that there is going to be big changes in the church with women deacons and maybe other changes to the mass that they want to make it more with the uh, environmental, their homilies, their, things like that. They're now going with the with other type of controls and such. Um, where do we go? What do we do? Uh, My husband and I, um, we're very, very confused. Uh, We've left a couple of parishes already because they lined the um, altar with all of the extraordinary ministers on the altar. Mm. Um, And uh, we just found uh, a, a beautiful church um, about 35 minutes away, which is fine, uh, but we're afraid that if other more or less demands come through from the bishop to the parish priests, um, that, that this is what they have to do in order to function in the archdiocese, what do we do? I mean, yeah. do we go to these churches and just to receive the Eucharist, because we're not even, I was even questioning if, um, is the, is everything valid because of the homosexuality that's going on, the act of homosexuality that's going on? Mm-hmm. And I mean, is the mass valid? Is the Eucharist valid? Uh, if they're in sin, does, what does that mean? Uh, we're very, if- very, very, very dis- uh, uh, very, very confused. I know it. I know it. It's it's an absolute awful time in the church, Annette. Um, and there's much confusion and much evil. Um, but Jesus said, "We I keep this in mind every single day. I will build my church. I will lead it in all truth <clears throat> until the end of time. The gates of hell won't prevail. And so the uh, insanity that is going on in the church right now is just that it's insanity and for my part dear one i would do everything i can to find a holy priest and a holy church and if i had to move my family there i would now if you're concerned about going to a um a church that is okay right now but you don't know how long it'll be okay uh i would urge you simply to go to the latin mass because they won't change. They will not change. And it will be a valid, reverent Mass 
find a Latin parish and go there. Okay. Oh, no, there's good. no such thing as a women deacon in a, in a, a, in a, in a there is no such thing as women deacons, so forget that. Um, if they, uh, if they agree on women deacons, it's a destruction of the priesthood. Priesthood is all male. And uh, the deacon is a step to the priesthood. Uh, it, it's not for women. And so, um, the, if you go to a Latin parish, uh, the Tridentine Mass, um, you will, you will not have so-called extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. You will not have female altar servers. Uh, you won't have any of that. Uh, that's, you're right. You don't know if you go to another parish and the priest is good. If he's a good priest and he doesn't adapt all these things, the bishop might take him out. You're very right. It's happened already. Um, I would look for a Latin mass. Uh, we go to the Novus Order during the week here because the Latin Mass schedule would not allow us to be back to the Priory in time, even for me to do this program. So we do that and we go to the extraordinary form, rather the what's called the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass uh, on the weekend. But that's what I'd suggest, find a Latin parish. And you will not just find a church that won't be uh, corrupted uh, by what's going on, but it's the church, it's the Mass of the Ages, and it's very, very beautiful. That's what I would recommend. But do you think that uh, there would ever be a time where um, they would take the Latin Mass away? It's possible. Anything is possible. If you listen to the testimony of Bishop Athanasius Snyder, they did take the Mass away. He was in, in Russia uh, and Kakistan, and they took the Mass away. Uh, he didn't even see a priest for a year. So, but he had a wonderful mother who really raised them in the faith at home. And every Sunday was set aside for God, and they sang hymns, and they read from the scriptures, and they kept their faith all that time. Yes, it's possible. Oh, it's possible. Thank you but, very much, Mother, yes, sweetheart. Don't, you're welcome, Annette. Don't fear. Let's not live in fear. Live in gratitude that we are so privileged to live in such a time as this and to be witness to the truth, no matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. Stay with the truth. Stay with the church. Don't give in to all this. Don't give in. There's no reason to, no reason to fear. It is the church of Christ, and it is pure, and it is holy, and he is its head. We just may have to go a little bit out of our way to find it. Bless you. Okay, Annette. God bless you, dear one. And everyone else listening, and there's our closing music, beloved. Um, We'll be with you tomorrow. Stay Stay true to the faith. You are nobody's subject. You are nobody's slave. You don't have to do anything that anyone tells you if it is wrong. We never follow what is wrong. We never follow what is evil. As St. Peter said, you tell us whether we should follow man or God. For me, I will follow God. As for me and my household, said Joshua, we will serve the Lord. God bless you all. We'll speak with you tomorrow.